0: Welcome to the King's Church Amisham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church.
1: Well, good morning. I hope you've had a good Christmas so far. Christmas is still continuing, of course, isn't it? It hasn't finished yet. And we're continuing this morning our Christmas series, The Cast of Christmas, the familiar faces of the Christmas story, of our Christmas nativity scenes. And we've looked at Mary and Joseph and Herod the bad guy on Sunday mornings. And we've looked at the shepherds on Christmas Eve and Jesus, of course, on Christmas morning. And now this morning, it's the turn of the angels. Now you can't really say it's out of sequence because angels pop up several times throughout the Christmas narrative in the Bible. And we'll come to that in just a moment. But before we go any further, let's hear a familiar Christmas reading from Luke chapter two.
0: And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. For The angels said to them, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
1: Now, if you've been here at King's any Sunday in the last few years between Christmas and New Year, you'll know that we usually have a Christmas quiz of some sort, which is very exciting and very serious stuff. Now, of course, we can't do that this year, which is a great shame. But even so, I'm wearing my traditional quizmaster's jacket because I look so good in it. It almost matches with the shirt. And I do have, instead of a full-blown quiz this year, I do have one question for you. So get yourselves mentally ready. Get those thinking caps on. Here we go. Here's a question. How many times do angels appear in the story of baby Jesus in the Bible? That's the question. Now, there's a clue here because I didn't say how many times do they appear in the Christmas story. I said the story of baby Jesus or maybe toddler Jesus, which goes on some way after Christmas. But without looking, how many times do you think angels appear? See if you can list them out, giving you just a minute here to think. And as an incentive, if you do get it right without cheating, without looking it up, then please do email me afterwards. As usual, there'll be an incredibly extravagant and probably chocolatey prize for the first correct answer. So do email and let me know. Okay, you ready? Have you decided? Here comes the answer. I'm calling it as eight times, eight times. Now the sad thing about not having you here in front of me is I can't ask you to show me a hand if you got it right. But the good thing about not having you here is that you can't argue with me if you don't agree with the answer. So anyway, here we go with the eight. Let's list them out. Number one, Gabriel appears to Zechariah, telling him that Elizabeth will have a baby in her old age, that's John the Baptist. This is in Luke chapter one, that's the first time. And the second time, Gabriel also appears to Mary, of course, in Luke chapter two. The third time, in Matthew, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream to tell him not to be afraid to marry Mary, despite the fact that she's pregnant. That's number three. And number four, of course, we've just had the angel appearing to the shepherds in our reading this morning and scaring the witless out on the hillside. That's number four. So now after this, it gets a bit more controversial. In In Matthew chapter two, number five, the magi are warned in a dream after they've delivered their gifts, not to go back to Herod. So they return home by a different route. Now I'm going to call that as an angel, even though it doesn't say so in the text. Number six, immediately after that in Matthew, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream and tells him to take Mary and Jesus and escape to Egypt because Herod is looking to kill him. Number seven, after Herod dies, an angel again appears to Joseph in a dream and tells him it's safe to go home now. Number eight, finally, when they're on the way back home, Joseph has another dream where he's warned not to go back to Judea, because Herod's son is now on the throne, and he's a baddie like his daddy, so they go to Nazareth instead. So just like the one with the Magi, I'm thinking if Joseph is warned in a dream, then that's an angel warning him, just like all the other times where it specifically says an angel appeared to him in a dream. So sorry if you don't agree, but my answer is eight. But if nobody emails in saying they got eight, then If you're the first one to email in saying you got six, then okay, you'll get the prize. So it's still worth giving it a go. Now, you may think that's remarkable. That's a lot of angels in a short piece of biblical narrative, less than four chapters altogether. And I do think it's an indication of something. I think this shows God at work, watching over this crucial first phase of his eternal plan of salvation. The arrival on planet Earth of his son in total weakness and vulnerability. And as Paul said a few weeks ago, he has handpicked this specific couple, Mary and Joseph, who were both utterly remarkable in their different ways. He's handpicked them as the ones to whom he will entrust his son. And I think what we see in all these angelic interventions, this is God in hands-on mode. He's making sure that this is all going to go according to plan. There are going to be no mistakes here. As Isaiah says at the end of the passage in chapter 9, where he prophesies the birth and the future reign of Jesus, he says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You see, it's God's own burning desire, his zeal, to get this done, to see that it's done right. Nobody's going to stop him. But having said that, Angels do appear all through the Bible, about 300 times, in fact. They're very much part of the biblical furniture. They're there in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis. They're there in the oldest book of the Bible, that's the book of Job. And they're there in abundance in the final book, that's Revelation. And we could think from the Christmas story that angels were basically heaven's messengers, sent to deliver God's texts and emails personally because they didn't have any Wi-Fi. And it's true that both the Hebrew and the Greek word for angel means just that, messenger or announcer. But angels in scripture are so much more than just that. In Hebrews chapter 1, the writer is explaining how much greater Jesus is than any of the angels. And in verse 14, he writes these words. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who are inheriting salvation? Wow, isn't that amazing? Angels are spirit beings that are sent to minister to us, to help us. So when Daniel is in the lion's den all night... And early in the morning, King Darius comes hurrying to see if Daniel could possibly somehow still be alive. And he calls out to him and Daniel answers, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. And the text says that no wound was found on him. And it wasn't because the lions weren't hungry or because they were fussy eaters and didn't like Israelites. It was because God sent his angel Or when Jesus is in Gethsemane in Luke 22 and he is praying and the text says he is in anguish, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Or when Peter is in prison in Acts chapter 12 and he's about to be put on trial the next day, but the text says the church is earnestly praying to God for him. And the answer to that prayer comes in the form of an angel who appears in his cell and prods Peter and tells him, come on, quick, get up. And it says the chains fall off his wrists. Follow me, says the angel. And he leads Peter past the guards and the iron gate opens and they go through and they walk the length of a street before suddenly the angel leaves him. Job done. Just some of the ways that angels act as ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. That's you, that's me. And angels can appear to people in different ways too. Sometimes they appear in dreams, as Joseph found out. Or they can appear in a glorious, heavenly form that terrifies the people to whom they appear. It was like that for Zechariah, it was like that for the shepherds as we heard in our reading a few moments ago. The text says they were terrified when the angel of the Lord appeared to them and when the glory of the Lord shone around them, they were terrified, who can blame them? And it was certainly like that for the Roman guards when the angel came and rolled away the stone from the tomb where Jesus was buried and sat on it. Tough old soldiers, no doubt, but the text says they shook and became like dead men, terrified. But at other times, angels can appear looking just like ordinary people. You remember in Genesis 18, where Abraham received three visitors. It says he saw three men standing nearby, so he offers them hospitality. He gives them something to eat, water to wash with. And then while they're eating, they tell him that Sarah is going to have a baby son. It seems that angels and old women and baby boys go especially well together. And it's not clear from the text at what point, if at all, Abraham realises that his visitors are in fact angels. But Hebrews chapter 13 tells us not to forget to show hospitality to strangers, because by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. That's Abraham. Or you may remember Gideon in Judges chapter 6. He has a long conversation with an angel who tells him he's going to save Israel. But it's only after the angel has finally gone that Gideon realizes who he's been talking to. But although angels crop up repeatedly in the Bible, we still don't actually know very much about them, at least not in any systematic kind of way. Most of the time we're just piecing together bits of information because it seems there's no specific teaching about them in scripture. And there's a reason for that. Bible.org puts it this way. Every reference to angels is incidental to some other topic. They are not treated in themselves. God's revelation never aims at informing us regarding the nature of angels. When they are mentioned, It is always in order to inform us further about God, what he does and how he does it. And that's very important for us to remember. See, angels, no matter how impressive they might be, no matter how scary they might be, no matter how well disguised they might be, they're never the main point of the story. They're never the focus of the Bible's attention. They are servants of God to do his will and they serve us too at his direction. They do not make decisions by themselves about their agenda and they will not do what we might want them to do either. They're simply the means God sometimes uses to bring about his purposes. I remember a long time ago, many years ago, there was a lot of fuss in some churches about angels being seen during their meetings. Now I have to say my reaction was, so what? Now, I suppose maybe that's a little harsh. If people have seen angels, then it's only because God has enabled them to. And if God has allowed it, then I guess it's for a reason, maybe to encourage them. But as to the simple fact of angels being there, well, I'd be amazed if they weren't there, wouldn't you? And the fact of angels being around, hear this, it doesn't add anything to the presence of Jesus himself. You see, Jesus has promised us That whenever two or three of us gather in his name, there he will be in the midst of us. That's Matthew 18. And there's nothing greater than the presence of Jesus himself. If he's with us, it's not in any way greater for angels to be there too. It's not somehow better like Duracell Plus, Jesus and the angels. Angels are an expression of the presence of God. They're not a bonus addition to it that makes it better. In fact, Paul actually gives us an implied warning in Colossians about getting too preoccupied with the whole business of angels. You see, just like demons, angels are real. They're a fact of life. We need to be aware of them, but not to get hung up about them. If God uses angels to bless us in some way, then that's wonderful. Praise his name! but it's him we thank and praise, it's not the angel he has sent to do his will. So, the obvious question you might ask, are angels still around today then, just like they were in the Bible? I've never seen one, but is that what you're saying? To that I would say, well, no, I've never seen one either, at least not as far as I know. But yes, they most certainly are real, they are still here, they are still actively doing the will of God and they are being sent to minister to us, his people, just as Hebrew says. I want to tell you the story of a man called Ron Francesco, who was in the Twin Towers in New York on the morning of 9-11. Ron was in his office on the 84th floor of the South Tower when the second plane hit. And in the chaos and the darkness and the confusion He tries to escape down the stairwell as the lifts aren't working, and his way is blocked, and he tries going up instead, but that way the fire doors are all locked. And you can only imagine the horror of the situation as he begins to panic. He thought of his family, that he had to see his wife and children again at all costs. He determined that he was gonna make it out. Di Francesco decided to turn around and start back down. This time, the situation was much worse. Thick smoke poured up the narrow stairwell. He groped his way down, unable to see more than a few feet ahead. He stopped at a landing in the middle of the impact zone on the 79th or 80th floor. Overcome by the smoke, he joined others, about a dozen people in all, some stretched out face down on the concrete floor, others crouched in the corners, all gasping for air. They were blocked from descending further by a collapsed wall. He could see panic in their eyes and fear. Some were crying. Several began to slip into unconsciousness. And then something remarkable happened. Someone told me to get up. Someone, he said, called me. The voice, which was male but did not belong to any of the people in the stairwell, was insistent, get up. It addressed Di Francesco by his first name, Ron, and gave him encouragement. It was like, hey, you can do this. But it was more than a voice, there was also a vivid sense of a physical presence. A lot of people made split second decisions that day that determined whether they lived or died. What is different about Ron Di Francesco is that at a critical moment, he received help from a seemingly external source. He had the sensation that, Somebody lifted me up. He felt that he was being guided. I was led to the stairs. I don't think someone grabbed my hand, but I was definitely led. He resumed his descent and soon saw a point of light. He followed it, fighting his way through dry wall and other debris that had collapsed, obstructing the stairwell. And then he encountered flames. He recoiled from the fire, but still, someone helped him. An angel, he says, urged him along. There was still danger, so it led me to the stairwell. It led me to break through. It led me to run through the fire. There was obviously somebody encouraging me, that's not where you go. You don't go towards the fire. He covered his head with his forearms and continued down, now running. He was singed by the fire. He believed the flames continued for three stories. Finally, he reached a clear lit stairwell below the fire on the 76th floor. Only then, he says, did the sense of a benevolent helper, one who had been with him for five minutes, end. Said Di Francesco, I think at that point it let me go. Ron Di Francesco was the last person out of the South Power of the World Trade Centre before it came down at 9.59am. To this day, Di Francesco cannot understand why he survived when so many others did not but he has no doubt about the reason for his escape. A man of deep religious conviction, he attributes it to a divine intervention. Now I know that research has been carried out. Some people believe that this sort of experience is in fact some neurological function of the brain that kicks in in extreme situations, that there's some wholly natural explanation. But Ron doesn't buy that. He says it was an angel. And I believe him because his experience is very like others that you can read about in books such as this, Miracles by Eric Metaxas. He has a chapter about angelic miracles, which he has critically researched rather than simply uncritically accepting. And some of those involve physical intervention of a supernatural kind, as well as the sort of guidance and encouragement that Ron talks about. And to us who know the Lord, Such encounters as these may be rare, and they may be at the the more dramatic end of the spectrum. And just like healing, we may not understand any more than Ron did why God sometimes chooses to intervene in this way, and at other times doesn't. But we shouldn't be surprised when he does, simply because of the promises of Scripture. And as I close, I want to encourage you in two ways this morning. Psalm 91.11 tells us, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. In Psalm 34, 7, David declares, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Doesn't that sound a bit like Ron Francesco? I love that. God's angel sets up camp around me, around my house, around my family, and he delivers me. Now I repeat, this isn't anything more than God's many other promises in scripture. It isn't any additional reason to trust the Lord. It's simply one expression of his love and protection and blessing on our lives. And it's not a guarantee that our lives will be trouble-free any more than we know already. Sometimes God delivers us from trouble, other times he's with us in trouble and he uses it for his purposes to shape us for our good to be more like him, or to bring glory to himself. And we may get to understand it in this life or we may never understand it until the day we stand before him face to face. But either way, we trust him because we know he's good. But I still find it very encouraging to know that there are angels which he is commanding concerning me to guard me in all my ways, so that no harm will come to me except that which he allows. Is that not good? And the second way, I hope you'll be encouraged, is this. Almost all the angelic activity we've mentioned this morning have been where angels have been sent in the physical realm, into into the realm of our senses, if you like, to appear to us, to speak to us, to help us in particular ways. They've come to us individually and specifically and we become aware of them by God's design because of the particular work they've been sent to do. But there's another realm as well, which is the spiritual realm itself, where most of the angels' work is done. They're spirit beings, they're normally invisible to us and their work is unseen. But just very occasionally, we get a glimpse of this realm in scripture. And one such time is our reading this morning. You see, the angel has delivered his message of great joy to the terrified shepherds. And then Luke tells us, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And it's almost like this great crowd of angels have photobombed the single angel while he was delivering his message. Suddenly it says, It's as if the the great window of heaven was open for a moment and in their uncontainable excitement, the heavenly hosts saw their chance and they rushed to the window and pushed their way through it and sang out their praise at full throttle with all the strength of their angelic lungs. And that word host, the heavenly host, it's a military word. This is an army of angels ready for battle. They're not gentle or fluffy in some sweet angelic way. These are heavenly warriors. And it may be very rarely that we get any sort of glimpse of them into the spiritual realm. But they are there all right. They're there all the time and they're ready to fight. There's one other such glimpse. In 2 Kings chapter 6, when the king of Aram sent a strong force, it says, to capture Elisha because through Elisha, God is telling the king of Israel everything he needs to know about what the king of Aram's up to. So this army surrounds the city where Elisha is staying and in the morning, Elisha's servant gets up and he sees the army and he panics, what are we going to do? And Elisha prays, oh Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And then the servant looks again And he sees the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The heavenly host, the angelic army is everywhere. Do not be afraid, Elisha says. Those that are with us are more than those who are with them. Now that's spine tingling stuff, isn't it? And we find something similar. In John's first letter, near the end of the New Testament, as he writes to encourage God's people, he says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So whatever you face today and tomorrow, however tough, however hopeless your situation may look, I want to tell you, you are not at the mercy of events. You are in the hands of almighty God who will command his angels concerning you, who will send you help from the sanctuary as Psalm 20 promises, while armies of the heavenly host wait in the wings for him just to speak the word, to fight on our behalf as we seek to do his will, just as they did for Joshua at Jericho when the commander of the army of the Lord appeared to him. Now that's encouraging, yes? Good. Then let's pray together, shall we? Father, I pray that you will open the eyes of our hearts, just as you did for Elisha's servant. I pray you will give us in our hearts an understanding that comes from your truth so that we will know whatever our situation, however it seems to us, that those that are with us are greater than those who are against us. That we will know that greater is he that is in us, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, than anything we will ever face in the world. Father, today we thank you that the Lord of hosts is with us, that the God of Jacob is our refuge. Amen. Angels from the
0: Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information go to www.kca.church